Hello and welcome to this week's Statsman podcast with me, James York, and Ted Knudsen. How goes it, Ted? I live. We're back. We, we only did a podcast like three, four days ago because we did. The it's amazing that we have so many things to say. <laughs> let's, let's hope we have. We should be able to get through it. Uh, there's been a bunch of Premier League games in the last uh, last few days that we can kind of riff on a little bit. And um, so, so, for the people that that are listening, what is our schedule today, sir, or our schedule, as you might say? But yeah, basically that some kind of like weekend review chat about like how things are shaping up, and then we've got you know we had some re- released uh, this morning about uh, some detail about new features we've got in Stats One Data, which are fun and interesting. So we'll have a little chat about that as well, and then whatever kind of drops in, you know, we've um, we got some feedback, didn't we, the other day, Ted? So apparently, I need to up my takes. I need more takes. And people, people wondering if it's a bit that James never has any takes. I well, th- it is now. <laughs> I thought I had loads of takes. I don't know. Maybe it's a... Uh... Ooh, I have a story first. Let's start with the story. Go on. <clears throat> so years and years ago, I think it's like five years ago now, um, we started the Silly Podcast, and it was myself and Benjamin Pugsley. Um, you're not nearly Mancunian for to be pub- Pugsley, but uh, both very good talkers. Um, and uh, a journalist friend of mine interviewed a guy named Billy Beam. And it was really odd that this he it, it was basically about how like Billy is actually you know a huge soccer fan or football fan, and and it was like really seriously, um, and he's like not only that but he listens to your podcast. It's like no fucking way does Billy Bean listen to our podcast. He's like no seriously, I was in the room with him and he said this, and I was like well that's absolutely fascinating, <clears throat> and so. At, at one point, I got a chance to to actually talk to Billy myself um, along the way, and he said, and and so over the years, like you know, I disappeared into Brentford and Michelin. Uh, I wasn't around. James and and Ben picked up the podcast, and and again did a great job and much more entertaining accents than my own. Um, and then uh, and then I came back, uh, and Pugsley has sort of disappeared into into Barcelona nightlife and, and cookery. And, uh, and James and I do this, but for years we didn't do it weekly and we were always reticent to do it. And James, you know, grumpy old James. <laughs> Run out of topics, Ted. Run out of topics. You end up having to fill it up with stories. Oh, no, carry on. It's fine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, you, you can tell your own story soon. Um, but, uh, so we were always reticent to do weekly and, uh, and, uh, I got a call from Billy and, uh, and he's like, oh, I really love your podcast. I wish you'd do more of them. And I got to thinking to myself, it's like, oh, man, you know, it's a pain sometimes for us to do most podcasts because we want to keep them fresh and keep them interesting. Um, and uh, on the other hand, like Billy Bean says, I'd like to hear more podcasts from you. You're like, oh, fine. It. Damn it. It's decided. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, so there's your for those analytics you, chops right there. Exactly. So for those of you who gave us feedback and are happy that we have a weekly podcast, it's nothing to do with any of you or even us, but you can thank Billy Bean for that. There we are. What a story. Well, it's, it's amazing. And, and, you know, you can't, like, if you're a nerd and you've watched Moneyball, and Moneyball actually triggered, like, so many things for so many of us, then, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's about as cool a story as I can get. I don't have any other cooler ones. It's funny. <laughs> I read Moneyball, actually, like, years before, um, like, have been had any real interest in, like, sports analytics or whatever it was. And so, and thoroughly enjoyed it, obviously, because it's, it's it's a load of points that you're gonna like. I've still not seen the film, but you know, uh, yeah, it has Brad Pitt in it. <laughs> yeah, um, 
<laughs> I'm, I'm one of those I, I read the book kind of guys, but you know it's it's fine. It was a it was an excellent book, and I'm sure everyone listening to this has has already read it. Um, but anyway, yeah, so we, have- we also had a big release. So there's a big story. Start off with a big story. Hook the listeners, and we also have uh, a big announcement today about our data upgrade. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's two things that we got gone on, gone in there. The first one is um, uh, shot height. Which I think I think is important. I think this is relevant. I mean, yeah, you can log a volley or a header or whatever it is, but you know, there's different types of volleys and headers. I think this kind of idea came to me when I saw like Harry Kane had a shot from about three yards out, and he, he kind of had to—he was back to the goal, and he was trying to kind of hike it in with his foot, and it was like. This, you know, the expected goals model thinks this is a great chance, and it's like in in ways it's not, and we need to capture real football a little better there. So, um, yeah, that was that was a kind of thinking behind bringing that in, and you know, you you've made it happen, Ted. Well, I mean, not myself. It's it's the whole team. Like the nice sure. part about being with really talented people is like they've got lots of good ideas, and I think this type of thing, I'm. You know, when I think about it, I think back to the, the Ibrahimovic chance that I think was in Europe, and and some announcer was like, he should have scored that, and I'm like, man, that's like a a nine yard chance, that's, or maybe it was even six yards. So it was like very close to the six, but it's like going away from it's a really high ball, and he just barely gets his head on it, and you know, sort of puts it back across the goal, and you know, people think, well, Ibrahimovic is a great goal scorer, this or that. It's like trying to think of, of ways that we could, you know, better evaluate things like really high crosses that end up being sh- shots because, you know, somebody gets a head on it, but isn't a good shot. Like, how do we better, you know, evaluate that chance? Or, you know, the volley is like a proxy for saying that it's off the ground. Well, like, why don't we just measure that it's off the ground? Yeah, yeah. where off the ground is it? You know, a low volley is going to be much easier. And I think we'll probably find out that, you know, ground shots are, are significantly uh, ahead of everything else as as a you know a kind of high probability chance um that's that's what you want to aim for which kind of ties in with ideas around you know crossing and you know low crosses and cutbacks and all those kind of things so yeah we're all kind of like joining it all together and um you know cre- creating more kind of accurate data that reflects football as you see it really and then the big ones the skeletons <laughs> Yeah, you'll have you'll have to fill people on on, on in on this. But we've done loads on goalkeepers, haven't we? I mean, that's been one of the things that we've really kind of like upgraded data set the data set towards is is bringing in kind of like goalkeeper actions. And our data scientist scientist um, Derek Yam is a goalkeeper himself, and you know very interested in this topic. So yeah, goalkeeper. Um, what they come what we're called now? It's gone out of my mind. Ted. Ragdolls. Ragdolls. That's it, of course. Yeah. That's right. So, like, originally sort of a concept from ragdoll physics. Um, so we, we were looking at it, and you know, the, the, there's, like, three big things in this in this release. The two of them are, are new elements. The last one is we're much more granular um, in what we collect on on shots inside the box. And, and part of that was we had feedback from a, a big club that's very smart about data saying that the stuff that we collected wasn't quite good enough. It could be better. And we listen to our customers a lot. And we like them to give us feedback because it teaches us stuff. Like, there's so much data and so many things going on now that our customers you know, are discovering things and probably will discover things despite the fact that we spend 100% of our time looking at our own data and, and evaluating in different ways. They'll teach us new stuff. And so they went through the data and they figured out that it wasn't quite good enough. Could we make it better? And so it's taken us a little while. But as part of that, we then looked at what could we add that we thought moved the needle. 
And so shot impact height was one, and we don't know how much it'll move the needle, but we think that on each individual chance, you get a little more information. Uh, we think that that also helps like talking to coaches about it. But then the next thing that we added was goalkeeper ragdolls. And the reason why we added this is because the goalkeeper isn't just a dot on the pitch, which is sort of how it was. It looks before. Now, it's not incorrect to measure that, but like, could we do better? And so we then started to say, okay, what does the goalkeeper look like and his body shape look like at the start of the chance when the chance is taken? And what does it look like at, you know, the point that he either makes a save or as the ball passes them by? And we not only have that, but we also have the positioning of it. So it's not just the shape of the keeper, but it's like how far did he have to go from his origin point to make the save and stuff like that. And we think that it gives you a lot more information about the shot and potentially the velocity of the shot, which we we have a bit of a proxy for that. But this will teach you a lot more about that information as well. Because, you know, a, a shot that trickles in from, you know, say 12 yards and is scuffed looks the same in an, in an old expected goals model as a shot that is hammered from the exact same location. Well, now we, we don't have that type of, it doesn't have to be that way. We've got a lot more information about what happens and how long it took to get to the goalkeeper. So now we're looking at it and as long as the timestamps are right and we collect it right, then it should be really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. It's easy, you know, we, we, when, with regard to shots, um, they still are probably the most kind of like crucial aspect of analytic, analytics in football. Um, People have explored them to the nth degree, but are of course limited by whatever data sets they're using. And by actually like changing the um, spec, um, improving the spec of uh, of data, um, we can actually like think about looking for new insights and looking for understanding where previously it wasn't there. And uh, again, I, I'm I'm a big fan of this. You know, and anything shot related is good is good by me. <laughs> I know. Uh, Tom, Tom Lawrence. Uh, I'm not sure Tom and Merrick would agree with you. <laughs> yeah, they're probably a little bit like there's there's more to the world than shots, but you know shots are, shots are still a huge thing. And for a lot of people that are looking at uh, football data and want understanding for a, a variety of reasons, um, shots will always be an absolute you know kind of key integral part of that. And you know upgrading that is is a great idea as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, so like that's the major announcement. We've got some stuff coming later this year that will trickle out when we're ready and when it's ready. Um, and someone asked me already if the the public stuff is going to have this level of extra information. And I'll tell you honestly, we haven't made a decision on it. I'm leaning towards no, um, just because like we're trying not to, well... You know, you, you've got IP that you don't want to be obviously copied by all of your competitors. And we have continuous problems with this. Like we release new stuff and then other people end up copying it and using it for their own purposes. And like so part of that's okay. Like that's just how it works. But part of it is, you know, are we going to continue to make it easy for them to do that? And the answer is probably not. Like what we've produced on the, on the free data spec is actually, you know, the best information out there already. Um, so this, this will probably stay behind closed doors, but it's not a hundred percent. Um, and I don't think we're going to announce anything else today. That's probably good enough. Um, also like tomorrow is the OptiPro conference, uh, OptiPro forum and good luck to everybody that's there. Uh, you know, we'll miss you guys and, and hope you have a lot of fun. It looks like an amazing, um, lineup this year. We always talk about it every single year and, and there are lots of people that'll do cool stuff. So I'm sure that. Uh, we'll be following along on, on social media and seeing what cool stuff comes out. And eventually we'll get some videos from that. Um, and should we talk about actual football on this podcast, James? We could do, yeah. Why not? I mean, <clears throat> first place to start, I think, obviously, is Liverpool. 
who have wobbled horrifically in the last week, shedded, <laughs> shedding points like there's no tomorrow. Two draws. How dare they? <laughs> it's crazy though. I mean, this is what I was. This is what I was thinking yesterday about how, um, like, literally a year ago, Liverpool were like you know top four contending team, and a couple of draws, you'd be like, yeah, this isn't great, but you know, <laughs> that's that can happen. You have these runs. Every team has these runs, and um, now top of the league, having barely you know not won a game all season suddenly two draws feels like it feels like a real kind of lull for them and it just it just shows i mean this is this is the cost of of being a good team and challenging uh deep into into the season is you know any drop points suddenly become magnified um, this is the cost of city being so damn good that's the real cost right like you know, if if city were not this relentless deep juggernaut behind them then you'd be like, oh yeah, they were seven points clear at one point. Yeah, they they've won the league. But City are now within three points and and have a slightly better goal difference. And man, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really kind of you know. I think we see the we see the projections about the place, and obviously the betting markets have got an idea about it as well. And we've, Liverpool got got up quite high, I think. Like kind of some people are saying, like seventy, eighty percent for the title. And now I think. I think I think the betting markets have got City ahead slightly, and some of the models I've seen around on Twitter and stuff are, are more kind of Liverpool favoured. But the bottom line is, uh, three points is you know it's a weekend. <laughs> it can, it it can go it can come. Um, City interestingly rescheduled their um, match against Everton that coincided with the Carling Cup final to this Wednesday. So we'll actually be a game ahead for a, a few weeks, pro- <laughs> providing they actually secure the result that they want out of it. And then, dum, 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 da, dum, dum. yeah, dum, 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 da, dum. you'd imagine City could beat Everton, but then they've got Chelsea at the weekend as well. So it's 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 not all plain sailing, and you know the points points will disappear from both teams um, along That's the way. That's just it. Like the, these teams are not perfect. You're looking at two of the the sort of highest points total teams at this point in a, in a league that we had seen. They continue to move along. They've stumbled a tiny bit, but they're very, very good, and it's great. Um, you know, for those idiots who who bet against there being a title race, well, you know, that was expensive for them. Um, <laughs> but like one of the the things about Liverpool is like somebody posted just today that like, I think it was uh, Constantinus, longtime sort of friend of of Statsbomb, that the front three are basically scoring exactly the same number of goals that they did last year, mm. and. The, the the question had always been on the defense. They they gave up a, a set piece goal and it's pretty pretty decent set piece work last night from West Ham. Um, that was a yeah that was the one one. But the, like the other game they drew was the the snow game right and that that game like the ball wasn't rolling very well like that yeah it's it's not gonna be the easiest run. It's very difficult. It's a tough league. Um, you know whoever wins this league will definitely deserve it. Yeah, I think West Ham away is a good, a good point. Like, I think Man City are the only team that have, of the big teams that have turned up at West Ham at West Ham and, and rolled them over. Like, which is different from years past because Arsenal just used to put three points on the board every single. Yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, like West Ham at the Olympic Stadium have, have been competitive against against the big teams. They only lost one 0 to Tottenham and didn't. You know, certainly weren't worse that day. And I think they beat Man United and might have got another result there. But you know, it's it's it's, it's a fiddly game. I thought Liverpool at home to Leicester in itself wouldn't be a problem for them. Um, 
again, Leicester have got that kind of the ability to just kind of frustrate at times, and it seemed they seemed they certainly, you know, kind of put up a defensive effort. And of course, Liverpool got injuries at the moment. I think I counted six six first teamers out last night. So and that's the thing that that's the betting tough. markets, I think, have priced into it. I think the the betting markets are looking at it and saying that City have basically two players at every position. They have like real depth, and they weathered that first half of the season with some serious injuries, and now they're mostly healthy. Whereas Liverpool have a number of injuries that also matter and they just don't have the same level of depth. And so, you know, Adam Lallana is out there last night and he's fine. But, you know, would you would you put him in? <laughs> would you want to start him regularly on any team in the top six? Probably yeah. not. And then the bench as well, you know, like Sh- Shakiri. I spoke to Pugsley last night actually quickly and he was, you know, Shakiri as, as the first change for a title winning, uh, for a title contending side. Yeah, maybe that's not not ideal, but um, how dare you disparage other people's <laughs> thick son? <laughs> I think he was a good signing, but it, is, it did kind of like put that in, put that into focus a little bit. And you know, Arigi, well, it could be Daniel Sturridge. <laughs> yeah, and, and Origi again. It, I think he's not. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I'm. I I feel like I'm. I'm always inclined to lean towards Man City in these situations, and and it felt like. You know, the last week has kind of just tilted it slightly in their favour. You know, it's it is a coin flip. Let's let's not make any bones about it. If I was calling James, it, I James just irritated it. the entirety of the Liverpool segment of our our listeners. So uh, I, I'm on board with uh, Liverpool now. Like you know, go guys. Let's see it. Let's see somebody besides City win a title this one. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting. Which you know, whichever way it goes, but. Um, it's it, it, uh, what I want more than anything is a title race because it's been a few years since we've had a legitimate title race go down to the down to the wire. So if I'm entertained deep into the deep into May and Tottenham stick their noses in front to win it, then it's going to be <laughs> good times. <laughs> that was, I was waiting for the segue there. I I remember everything about the Aguero goal. I remember that whole game. I was trading that day, the last day of the year, and I didn't have to do any live that day. So I basically, I think I went, yeah, I was watching it in my office. It was a gorgeous sunny day. Um, and, you know, I'm watching it right down to the the wire. We kept getting different cuts from Manchester. They would look over at the fans, and the fans were then celebrating. And then, like, that moment where Martin Tyler, uh, you know, has, has the call and Aguero... And then they flash over to Manchester United and the fans just like hear about it and they stop. <laughs> it's like silence. That was amazing. Was. Obviously, Joey Barton was involved, which, you know, anytime Joey Barton's involved, it's very exciting. Joey Barton got sent off in that game. Ex-Man City <laughs> player Joey Barton got sent off in that game after no time. For a, If I recall correctly, it was for a complete like like nothing of a <laughs> like thing. It was like, right, okay. In, in his right. history, it was comparatively nothing, certainly. <laughs> It was just right, like, so yeah. I don't mean to distract you from the the very important fact that Spurs are only two points back of City. They're in. Well, no. I mean, the, the thing is, all the numbers suggest that Tottenham are like, are like significantly worse than the top two. And when they played Liverpool and when they played Man City, they looked like you know a, a not as good team. Um, they've all got 19, 19 wins though they've all got 19, all 19. wins all, all these teams I mean we, we had a quick chat about this yesterday didn't we at work um, like I think like if you replay this season a million times like Tottenham don't have 19 wins and zero draws and <laughs> I think that's 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 the difference between this if Tottenham had just got as many points as uh, any of the three teams beneath them and had drawn like three or four games like you would kind of expect them 
you know, <laughs> literally every team ever that <laughs> has drawn a few games. Then you'd we, be like, we are in a very specific strain of the simulation. Right <laughs> yeah, it does. It very much feels like that. I mean, uh, they're, they're probably like kind of I don't know, ten points to the good of what you might might expect them to be, and um, uh, signs of life in the numbers. I was looking at that the other day. They're, they're they're expected goals, which have been really quite kind of like middling to flat most of the season, and it coincides with a slightly beneficial run of not too many tough teams but they've they've kind of like pointed pointed ahead of where they have been in this last kind of like 10 game stretch um i they've i think they've got to go to liverpool and city which is just look they got a 2-2 draw at liverpool last season um and i don't know you just it's hard to envisage uh, liverpool at their best and man city at the best not like being stronger than and exceeding Tottenham in those matches, but you know mm. anything can happen. This is just you trying to talk yourself out of future emotional pain. No, I, it's just fun, isn't it? It's just good fun. Like there's a statistical oddity, though. Like yeah, Spurs have contributed significantly to this, but there are very few comparative draw teams this year, right? Right. Like Huddersfield being bad. Uh, 25 matches, only five draws. That's slightly unusual, right? Um, Fulham, also five draws. Crystal Palace, five draws. Like the, the most draws anybody has is Southampton at nine. But then it's Watford at seven. Like, this is pretty unusual. Usually, some, there's like, what, a third draws? Maybe slightly less. I think when I was doing the modeling stuff, it was like between 25 and 30% is, is regular. And you get those very defensive guys like the Aitor Karenkas and stuff that, that end up you know, and running high numbers of draws. This year, it is very few. And the only reason why Spurs are up there is because they have no draws. Like 19 wins and no draws, that gives you a lot of points. And this is a, a an analytics bugbear. Like this is one of the things that, that really frustrates me. Like coaches should not hang on to the draw. The 2-0 is so much better for you in terms of lead. Do not sit on it. Play normally. Your normal defense is supposed to be able to give up zero to one goals. So like score the second and you're absolutely fine. Like probably, um, but like the statistical swing on that is is really huge. Uh, I'm I don't want to say that we're seeing a change in behavior, like going for it on fourth down, or the shot behavior, which is very quietly sort of trickled in, like almost osmosis. No one will admit that they're really taking shots from from closer and and cutting out the long shots necessarily. But that that's certainly a statistical finding that has come about because of the expected goals models and things like that, and has seeped into football itself um yeah I, it's a it's fascinating and like you know I, I guess every season we can find weird stuff because like you know it's it's a season and statistically there are always weird things but uh this one is is a little odder than normal yeah i mean there was definitely a i think it's slightly eased up a little bit but there was a, there was a time before christmas where the, the, you know the top six were so far ahead of the rest of the league in terms of results and stuff and and you know the people did tables of like you know first place second place third place had more points than in any other kind of season i think it's i haven't checked it but i think it's slowed up a little bit um over time and possibly you know with winter and injuries and schedules you know kind of stacking up a little bit of equalized some of the results but then even you you say that and then even even man united who you thought were kind of letting the side down on that regard and have, and have gone on this solskjaer inspired run um, <sighs> you know <laughs> it's looking like he's the ideal choice. 
This is so preseason. We got some stuff right and some stuff very wrong. Um, we were very right on Manchester United in that you could not predict what would happen. And season three under Jose Mourinho, especially with how they entered the season, like really weird and and potentially confusing. And it started out exactly that way. And then after they switched him out, they just like they can't lose right now. But to be fair, this weekend was. Not amazing. I th- this game, yeah, the, the Leicester game felt like you know Man United. Where am I? Where is this team? You know, in a nutshell, I mean, an electric goal from Rashford, who's who's showing incredibly, like shooting a lot, showing some great form at the moment, um, but ultimately kind of vulnerable. And you know, you again, you look at you look at whatever team Solskjaer puts out, and you look at the front line in the midfield. Well, the kind of attacking band of the midfield, and you think like, yeah, this is good. I like this. These are good players. And then you kind of like move back toward back to back through the team, and it's like mm, individually, maybe I like some of these players, but I'm not sure how well they work as a unit. And it's it's interesting because obviously it feels like that was the one thought that Mourinho had in his mind, and like. Is like I need my, my I need to work out this defense, and um, he it, it struggled with it a lot, and uh, it kind of like neutered his attack. Solskjaer's gone the other way. He's like, I look at all these lovely attackers. I'm just gonna yeah, let's give play to our strengths and expect that we're gonna get over the hump most of the time. Yeah, and which you know, to be fair, this they've spent a hell of a lot of money over time on a lot of players, a lot of decent quality players that. You know, more often than not, should be able to link up and and create an attacking storm. As, um, you have you have Martial, Rashford, Lukaku, and Pogba. Maybe let them run once in a while because yeah. they are fast and they they attack well on the counter and their movement is really good. Like we've seen Lukaku a number of times just turn people completely inside out. Like Rashford now looks like one of the possibly the fastest player in the league. He is really really quick off the mark. Um, one thing that I noticed about that, that Leicester game, and this is a Puel problem, and this is actually something that, that did plague Southampton. And I've, we've kind of defended like Leicester's performance this year. I think they're absolutely fine and actually probably running about as well as you can expect them to do. But those shot locations on the weekend, again, were a bit of a problem. Remember that Southampton have had years of issues where you know they've basically underperformed um, the expected goal stuff. And part of it is because they do tend to take some some fairly long-range shots or those shots from the, the sort of wide forward area that aren't central. Uh, that was the thing that Mikel Arteta has allegedly fixed on Raheem Sterling, where he just gets them to, to shoot inside of the, the goalposts, and it's much more likely to be a goal. They got to get their, their wide forwards in those, those central closer areas, and they'll score a few more. <clears throat> Yeah, Sterling. Yeah, Sterling absolutely twatted one for about twenty-five yards yesterday uh, the weekend as well, which was good to see. He always felt like he he could you know improve his his kind of like um, just the quality of how he hits a hits a shot really. And um, yeah, the timing was great. Hmm. So you know. that says an Arsenal fan. <laughs> yeah, so you watched a bit. You watched a bit of that one, Ted. It was. It did feel all a bit. It all felt a bit inevitable. I th- there was, I mean, on, there was a goal after like fifty seconds. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that's that's a tough break. And there were a few <laughs> Arsenal fans on my, on my Twitter feed. It seems seemed content enough with like how it went, as if there was like kind of a a, a plan, and you know they, they worked to it. And I mean, I don't know. Like Tottenham Man City was a very similar game when they played them. Insofar as Man City just didn't let them have any chances at all. Uh, or like four shots, and I think Arsenal had 
four, maybe five shots in that game as well. So it's it's just one of these things that if if you if you walk into City doing their their best thing, then even if you're a reasonably competent side, you can end up with squat. And um, yeah, one thing that we've talked about <coughs> on this pod before, um, and we talked about it with relation to Manchester City and, and set pieces. Um, and Liverpool have been good at set pieces this year. And actually, like until last night, I think they were like plus. Plus ten or plus twelve, depending on how you count the set piece uh, goal differential. Um, and City were actually minus one, which is really interesting because they, they get a lot of opportunities to to go for it. And you know the the difference in the table is basically is that gap. Now you could say any number of ways, like Manchester City are outperforming um, Liverpool on uh, open play and set pieces to help drive the fact that Liverpool are up there. But it's it's kind of a it was the thing that. Well, one of the things that definitely allowed Chelsea to also be ahead of City in Pep's first season. Um, so it's it's intriguing to we'll see if he ever changes his his spots on this one. Um, they are the worst in the league at, at getting expected goals off of off of corners, and yeah, you know, that it's it's fixable. But you kind of have to admit that there's a problem and and find somebody that can help you solve it. Yeah, I mean. And there's always the idea that <laughs> if 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 ninety one teams in in the football league could do with help here, maybe maybe there's one team that's just going to be just going to stonewall you and say like, no, we're doing it this way. But yeah. look, I, I, Pep is amazing, and I you know I have been a long term fan uh, to the point that I say that a lot of times he ruins leagues uh, because his teams are just so much better than them. Obviously, they and. and you know they are some of the richest teams in the world as well. It's great to see Liverpool do this, and and Liverpool have been super smart. And you know, I think you look at the net spend from Liverpool over the last um, five years, and it's actually like sort of amazingly good. So yeah, it's it's lovely. And, and Spurs are are similarly, you know, performing very well from the back of a great coach. Uh, the the question is, could they do better if uh, if they had invested a bit more in the squad? But eh, whatever. Like when the, that that doesn't matter again until the, the summertime. Random factoid, right? You know, the only season that Tottenham like had a shot at it uh, against when Leicester won the title. And at this, they, they were five points back at, at, the, at this exact point then. <laughs> and they're five points back now. So, I mean, it means nothing, but it just, it just struck me. It was like, they're five points back. It's February. That's yeah, it's a touching distance. Were they that, that, that ever that close there? And funny enough, that that Leicester season, nobody ever like broached the gap. Nobody ever got did what um, what's happened this last week and like got it down to like within a win. And mm-hmm. you know, Leicester always kind of were you know, once they made it, built a gap, which I think kind of came through January. You know, no one really got close to them, and it it, it wasn't actually. That they were put under pressure, you know the old whole idea of like when you're put under pressure, when teams are put under pressure, can they can they get results? Um, I mean, that's, <laughs> one wonders exactly how how heavy that weighs, but it's it's certainly not a, a zero factor. And um, yeah, so I mean, we're we're witnessing this right now with the three point gap and Man City with a better goal difference. So, well, and and at the other end of the table, I think we have to toll the bell of doom for Fulham. Uh, seven points back and a much worse goal differential than Burnley. Uh, Cardiff in front of them, only 17 points total. Uh, still just have not been able to, to put together any sort of run. While Burnley have, and they, I don't think they've lost in like six games. They have uh, three wins, three draws in the last six. Like That's a huge point swing. Yeah, um, and Southampton, so yeah, Southampton too. You look at, you look at them, they've, yeah. they've, they've done a similar kind of, kind of thing since Hassan Hill's come in and just literally just 
got some points. And Cardiff's win at the weekend was absolutely massive. Right. So, like, Cardiff still have a chance, but but Fulham looked doomed. Um, sorry, Fulham fans. I, I guess I should say that that's my fault because I really liked their recruitment over the summer and thought they would be a lot better than this. <laughs> so yeah. here we are. All right. I think that, you know, that should do us for today, Ted. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think that's probably pretty good. A little bit of bean. Uh uh, we won't talk about him again, but you know, I, I felt like I could share that story because it was such a cool one. Um, and what did we? Oh yeah, the big announcement: uh, goalkeeper Ragdolls. You'll see more stuff come out um, on that in the coming months. And there's a big announcement on our site. We even have a video. Ooh, with video. funky music. <laughs> I like the music. And then a little bit of Premier League nonsense. Um, we're going to bounce around the leagues in the coming weeks and maybe talk a bit about players around Europe that are interesting. Uh, there's some Champions League coming up this month. So it won't just be Premier League on, from here on out. But um, yeah. All right. Thanks for listening and catch us again next week. Cheers, bye.